Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my co-host, as always, Yazin. What's going on, bro? What it do, baby? What it do, baby? Back for another one. <laughs> Super Bowl week, man. Let's mix in a little basketball and some football, you know? Make it a whole show. Yeah, man. I am super pumped for Super Bowl week. I'm also excited at the fact that the NBA actually takes care of us fellow fans on this sacred day. Obviously, the NBA, with regards to ratings, they try to stagger as many NBA games as possible to ensure that there's no overlapping that's done on Super Bowl Sunday. So at least as both fans of the NBA and the NFL, I can enjoy the games in peace and then hopefully get ready for an exciting Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see no, you know, half of a crowd there, but, you know, we're kind of used to it at this point. So it's going to be different, but it's going to be fun. Hey, I'll take whatever I can get. But anyways, we got a few things on the stove we got cooking for y'all in today's episode from superstar struggles to all star predictions. With that said, drop the beat. On this episode of Run That, we got a few topics I would like to discuss. The first topic is, what is going on in D.C.? I got the answer. Bradley Beal's frustration with the Wizards. It's been quite apparent to say the least. What is the future outlook for this disgruntled superstar? Trade, perhaps? If so, what are some trade options? Yazin, you can go ahead and tackle this one. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Bradley Beal out here is the top scorer in the NBA right now. He's leading the league. Uh, with about 34.9 points a game. He's playing out of his mind right now for the lowly Wizards, who are, you know, bottom of the Eastern Conference right now, 4-12, and 12, uh, fresh off of a, a surprise win against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but still, this team is not clicking. They're not getting it together. Uh, Russell Westbrook is shooting abhorrently. Like, you know, I have to just conjure up a word to describe how badly He's shooting. I saw a stat where he had 136 points on 136 shots, which is unbelievably bad to consider. Every shot you take is worth two or three, and he's averaging a point per shot, which means, like, you know, just the idea of that, you know, it's really bad for Bradley Beal because he's having to really put together an entire offensive game uh, and you know, it's not enough. And you've seen his frustrations. We've seen him on the bench kind of sulking around and uh, seen him check out of, of plays, kind of like Harden did in his last days in Houston. But, I mean, I can't really feel bad for Bradley Beal. He recently signed an extension uh, that you know, that put him in Washington for, for the long term, fully knowing that that team did not, at the time at least, have what it took to be a contender. You know, it had John Wall at the time who – you know, got injured twice in a row. And, you know, the writing was on the wall that that team was headed in a downward trajectory. And now he's having to uh, to live through it. So, you know, he's going to be there until I think he's going to probably force his way out, uh, just knowing how the NBA yeah. landscape is now. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's he's the next star to move to a new team and, and, and to to power them up as well. Yeah, and the, th- and the thing is, you bring up, like, a lot of good points. You can't really feel sorry for the guy because, again, he signed that two-year massive extension where he- that took him out of the 2021 free agency market, which if he were to be one of the free agents remaining, that puts him on this all probably on the same category as Kawhi Leonard, right? Because a lot of these 2021 free agents like Giannis Antetokounmpo and a few others already have re-signed their massive supermaxes, right? So... You know, Bradley Beal could have been that guy that other teams will be highly suiting out for, right? So um, I can't really feel sorry for him. But again, I can't not talk about the great season he's been having the last two years, especially how you mentioned the fact that he's nearly averaging 35 points per game. But unfortunately, the Wizards record doesn't really reflect that they're standing at 4-12. and Obviously, you can see that they barely past the James Hardenless Nets. And again, this is a topic that we'll probably be discussing later on with the Brooklyn Nets, but I mean, it's not something that you want to hold yourself high on considering the atrocious defense that the Nets have been playing lately. So um, with that being said, I guess the Wizards will take whatever they can get when it comes to a dub, but I'm not too sure which direction the Wizards will take when it comes to Beal. Like, it's almost like 
if they trade Beal, I feel like at the same time, they have to figure out a way to offload Westbrook. But, but considering that they traded for him, I think that Westbrook can't be traded until at least after the trade deadline, which you're looking at the next offseason, right? Because there's no need for Westbrook at this point if you're going to offload someone like Bradley Beal. I'd probably try to reload and rebuild as quickly as possible. As for the trading market, um, I do have a few options I would consider for Beal if he was made available. Keep in mind, the Washington Wizards front office specified that they will not send Beal to a team in which he doesn't want to play for. So I'm just putting that tidbit out there. But uh, the one team that I can see that can benefit from Bradley Beal's services is the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks have been falling short of expectations very early in the season, shockingly to me. And you can tell that scoring ability is greatly in need. As the stats show, they ranked dead last in three-point shooting, as well as ranking 21st in scoring. I can see the trade being done where Beal gets on over to Dallas, but the problem is, on the flip side, I don't know if there's any players of importance for the Wizards to inherit in order to complete this trade. You can probably see someone like a Josh Richardson, a Tim Hardaway Jr., and others being packaged with a plethora of draft picks and swaps, but I feel like that's probably the only way, is just to kind of give uh, a Brooklyn Nets haul of draft pick similar to that of James Harden, or at least close to that. But besides the point, if they're able to get this done, a trio of Luca, Beal, and KP would wreak havoc in the league. So at least that's a one team I prefer Bradley Beal to be traded to. But anyway, uh, do you have any other trade options for Bradley Beal? Uh, so two points to that. First off, uh, you mentioned trading Russell Westbrook. You've seen, I think we saw that his trade market was absolutely barren. Nobody wanted that contract. He's above 30. His efficiency has just plummeted completely. The The Wizards are not going to get off his contract, no matter what. I don't think anyone takes him on. I don't think a, a championship contender wants Russell Westbrook. Uh, it, it's just not happening. You know, he's probably going to have to stay uh, in Washington for the duration of his, of his contract. And, you know, we were starting to see the deterioration of Russell Westbrook here. He's not in MVP form. He has some games, you know, don't get me wrong. Last game against Brooklyn, he, he poured it on. He, had, he was shooting over 57%, which is, you know, really, really, really good. Uh, but on the whole, yeah, he's, he's not going to be movable. Uh, as for Beal in Dallas, um, I think the only way that deal happens is if Porzingis is included. Dallas does not have a lot of first-round picks. They traded them for for Kristaps. Uh, so they have two first-round picks that are heading to New York in that deal, uh, and they can't trade back-to-back years. So they don't have first-round picks to trade for. Uh, if they're going to get Bradley Beal, it's going to have to match their contract. Uh, you know that Porzingis signed a, a, a max deal uh in in dallas so you know that would the numbers would match up if it was like not really one for one but i'm sure they probably put a package surrounding that you know i could see dallas maybe doing that but i mean luca and and bradley kind of play the same position Doncic is is really a good all-around player uh, but i don't see him as a point guard he doesn't you know he's he's much better as what? a shooter than as a passer he's a two guard man what Bro, what are you talking about, man? Doncic? Doncic is 100% a shooting guard. And man, Doncic is nearly averaging it. double digits in assists. Like, what are you talking I mean, about, man? I so is Jokic, but that doesn't mean Jokic is a point guard. I mean, Luka's specialty. <laughs> okay, he's a point forward, yeah. But Luka's specialty is his shooting. He is a is a shot maker, a shot creator. Uh, putting him with Bradley Beal, I don't know how much sense that makes. Um, I think for Dallas, they'd love it because Porzingis is having just a, a terrible, like his plus minus is atrocious thus far uh, this season. You know, he's he's really playing out of place. There might be a chemistry issue there. There are rumors that KP is not really, you know, uh, well loved there in Dallas, uh, you know, to uh, to my delight. So, yeah, I mean, Bradley Beal going to uh, to Dallas, I don't know how much sense that makes, but... For me, but like I, I want to, I want to add something there when it comes to the draft picks. I understand, like with the rule where they can't trade back to back first round picks, right? I think they've already sent off the the twenty twenty one first round pick to the Knicks, right? And then I think the twenty twenty three pick. Correct. Um, so obviously, trading twenty twenty two is out of the question, um, as well as I believe twenty, I'd say twenty twenty four, right? Twenty twenty four, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that would make things a little bit tough on the on the drafting, sorry, on the draft capital. But if they were to either add a third team to the trade, uh, where they can acquire 
picks and, and, and other assets from the Washington Wizards standpoint. And on top of that too, the Mavericks, the reason why I can see them maybe putting, I guess, backloading rather the, the draft pick capital going to the Wizards, because think about it. KP, Luca, and Beal are all in their 20s, right? And Luca's locked up to a, I'm pretty sure he's locked up to a long-term deal, if I'm not mistaken, or he's still on his rookie deal, I believe. He's on but his rookie deal, yeah. He's on his rookie deal. Okay, so he's going to get signed long-term regardless. Bradley Beal is here for at least three years, this year including his two-year extension. Plus, Porzingis, I, I think he signed a five-year deal, what, last year? Five-year max. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I feel like for the Mavericks, it's only a good gamble if and only if they re-sign Beal. If they don't re-sign Beal immediately, then it's going to be tough because you're going to get back to the same position you will be back in 2024 if Bradley Beal walks out and you're back to square one with Luka Doncic in his prime. But we don't know what the status of KB will be. His knees might be shot by then, right? So um, I can see what... Yeah, exactly. So I can see why that they might be hesitant, at least from the wizard standpoint, to acquire that late draft capital. But I feel like the only way that will make things work is if and only if they bring a third team within the trade to make the to make the pieces work. Again, I'm just I'm I'm talking about based off fit. I feel like Bradley Beal's expertise skill set is going to be well suited for the Dallas Mavericks if if they're able to pull this off. I think I think the team that we're overlooking here is a, a team that's struggling right now um, and should be a lot better, and that's the Miami Heat. Uh, seven and twelve right now. They were the Eastern Conference champions last year. They're they're struggling. It's it's kind of weird, you know, as to why they're struggling. It's not really you know known as to what's going on, but you know, getting a guy like Beal, it probably cost them Dragic, you know, Duncan Robinson, and some filler contracts. Tyler Hero, possibly, yeah. But, I mean, the idea of Beal playing with Adebayo and Butler, that's enough to move them back into the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Beal would would provide a, a huge multifaceted scoring option. Hero and Duncan Robinson are, are very much three-point shooters. We saw how deadly they were in the playoffs last year. And uh, Jimmy Butler is an all-around scorer. I think Beal complements that as well at being another you know, all around scorer and having Bam Adebayo there, who's, you know, still very well improved from, uh, you know, last year and the year before, I think they might need to make a deal to, to get back into that hunt because they're, they're fading pretty fast. I mean, seven and 12 right now, obviously the Eastern conference is still pretty wide open, but you know, you don't want to have to play from behind to get back into the playoff hunt. So maybe they swing for the fences and, and go for Beal. I like that pick that fit there. Uh, I could yep. see him signing long term, and you know, you know, in the Eastern Conference, I mean, you can always challenge. There's always new teams coming in and out. Uh, big threes are always being formed. So I would put him in Miami if I was if I was Bradley Beal. That's where I would want to go. Now, honestly, that's a that's a fantastic destination, and you know, with guys like Pat Riley, I can definitely see him going big on this. Obviously, they've already had a taste of the NBA Finals last year, playing against LeBron James and seeing the limitations that they have as a roster. Bringing in a guy like Bradley Beal is definitely going to bolster that roster. It gives them another guy that can get his own bucket and also can play pretty, at least pretty good defense for a shooting guard. So, you know, with a guy like Jimmy Butler who likes to have the ball in his hands, having another scoring punch on the other side of the floor, with Bam Adebayo down low, I feel like those are great pieces to build around. And then we can probably see them be a, a destination for buyout options as well to fill in if in case they bring Bradley Beal in, right? So I definitely like that option. Another option that I also like based off of the assets that they have is a Denver Nuggets. I can mm-hmm. see them being in any trade market for any superstar. I mean, they have all kinds of assets, like I mentioned, from veterans to young players to draft picks. They can easily facilitate a pairing of Murray, Beal, and Jokic, putting them as the immediate favorites in the West, in my opinion. So uh, never count the Denver Nuggets when it comes to uh, disgruntled superstars that are made available in trade deadline. Yeah, they're always going to be a player. Uh, They have a lot of young talent. Michael Porter Jr. is still always going to be a name that they that they dangle out there to try and get an extra star and try to get them over the hump. Uh, I definitely like Denver's chances for sure. Wherever Bradley Beal goes, he's going to make that team an instant contender. It's just going to require a team swinging for the fences completely. It has to be a team that is like, 
we need this guy because it's going to cost you a lot of draft capital. If we've seen anything from the Harden deal and Beal is younger than Harden, uh, Beal plays much better defense than Harden and they're really and healthier scores and he's healthier. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to cost a lot to bring badly Beal in. So a team that wants him needs to, to contend now uh, they need to be in a good position to really mortgage their future. Kind of like what Milwaukee did with, with uh, Drew holiday. I mean, had Milwaukee waited a little bit, they might've been able to get Beal for that amount of capital. So oh boy, <laughs> which would have been very fun to watch, but uh, of course they didn't. So you know, wherever Beal goes, it's going to be fun. Another team is going to get bolstered. Uh, the Wizards are in for a rebuild. You know, they have a couple of young guys there, but, you know, they, they've been kind of rudderless for the last couple of years and no real direction. So I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, I'm, I'm also keeping tabs on it because, you know, the Knicks are, are involved as well. I would oh, probably... please. I don't... <laughs> I, 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 I'll say this on air. I don't want them to trade for Bradley Beal. We will not utilize him correctly right now. He's in his prime. The Knicks are still a ways away. Let's not mortgage the future for him. Let's let other teams cash in on that. I'm okay if they don't trade for Bradley Beal. Let's just put that aside for a little bit. Let's let's develop our guys and let's not trade everyone for Bradley Beal. Yo, you bugging. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything as I'm still under that, that you clause. You are still so. under the clause. You cannot talk smack. So. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll end off that topic. Um, the next topic that we would like to discuss is Anthony Davis and his struggles with the Lakers. Is this a cause for concern? And to be honest, on my end, I'm not entirely sure what has gone with Anthony Davis. I mean, you can probably see it when he plays on the floor. His charisma and his dominant approach has been truly lackluster over the entire season as he's averaging 22-9. and nine. I'm pretty sure, obviously, those numbers – could be other people's career highs, but for someone we know as Anthony Davis, that's always been a perennial top five player in the league to average those kind of numbers and just showing that lack of charisma on the floor to me is is something that's quite concerning. When you were looking at even this past weekend when the Lakers snuck out a win in the weekend classic against the Celtics, I bet that if they lost that game, there would be a lot of concern considering AD was the guy who had the ball in his hands in that last possession, only to turn the ball over when you got a guy like Semi Ojale on him, right? So I'm not too sure where the what the Lakers need to do in order to get AD's mojo back, but he's got to get it done quicker. Like another guy that I want to bring up, my brother, who is a, a Lakers fan, has given me some intel as an avid AD critic. And he mentions that AD needs to demand the ball like the dominant player he's supposed to be. And the only way this can happen personally is if he can play the center position. AD has such a huge advantage to me playing the five position, but somehow you can see that for some odd reason, he is shying away from superstar matchups, right? If you want to talk about matchups over the course of the season, just not even superstars aside, just regular players getting outplayed by scrubs like Ennis Cantor, Georgie Diang, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevon Looney, just to name a few. Like, something's got to give, and I believe that putting AD in spots to get his in the paint, matching up with other centers, will help him reinstill that confidence. So, um, I don't know if don't, there's anything yeah, you want to talk I about. I don't know if, if putting AD at the five is, is a good idea. That's why you bring in a guy like Marcus Gasol and, and Montrezl Harrell to take that punishment. You know, that's why you, you have... In, he needs in to be Orleans, punished. You, <laughs> no, he needs well, to be punished. <laughs> that's not his skill set, man. You know, he's he's he's. You know, listen, I mean, he's a former point guard in high school, and then obviously he had that enormous growth spurt to where he's now a seven footer. Uh, he's he's a very skilled player. He's not a big sort of brawny guy to take that punishment. I I I I disagree. I don't think he should be at the at the five. I think him at the four is kind of perfect. Uh, you know, he stretches the floor. He still shoots threes. I'm going to attribute it to fatigue. Um, I think, look at the two uh, NBA finalists, NBA finals, uh, you know, Eastern Conference, Western Conference champions, the Heat and Lakers. Both are having kind of slow starts. I mean, we've obviously talked about the Heat. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, you know, they're still up there in the Western Conference, their top three seed, but they're not dominating as we thought they would after they had their offseason acquisition. I'm going to say it's fatigue. I mean, they stayed in the bubble longer than any other team. Uh, they had the the shortest turnaround for for any other NBA team uh, to come back and, and start fresh the next year. Uh, and AD, 
really had to muster a lot of that load in, in, in the bubble. I mean, we saw how he played. He dominated in the bubble. He was he was a really good player. He was one of the reasons why, probably the biggest reason why the, the Lakers won that championship. So I, I'm, I'm going to attribute the slow start to the fatigue. It, it's a new kind of NBA now where now they went from playing every game in a hotel room without their family to now traveling again. And, you know, taking different protocols and having games, you know, suspended and rescheduled. So I'm not that concerned about AD struggles right now. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we need to think about what he's going to do in April. uh, And we have to see him show out again, like he did last year in the playoffs. Uh, So you can afford to be, have a slow start. You can afford to lose a couple games here early in the season. I know it's a truncated season and, you know, it's it's only, I think, 72 games this year. Uh, So yeah, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. All right. When it comes to fatigue, I can't really give him that card, knowing the fact that we have a guy in year 18 balling out of his goddamn mind on the same roster. LeBron's different. He's and he's not human. He I know, I know, but but like listen, but we gotta talk about the fact that the Lakers are a much better, well-rounded team this year than last year. They got guys like Harold, they got guys like Dennis Schroeder and other people that are able to carry some of that load that AD had to endure in the bubble, right? And considering how young AD is, I don't know. I'm going to have to be a boomer on this one. I, I I can't give these young cats that kind of excuse of fatigue. I can understand if AD was the literal focal point of the offense, like, like he was with the New Orleans Pelicans. If that was the case, then sure. But when you have another superstar on your side that's more ball dominant, like LeBron James, and he's still hooping the way he's hooping, and you have other complementary pieces that are hooping the way they're hooping, as a top five player, you have no excuse. You got to be able to at least show that dominance. I, I get it. It's early. But like you said, it's a truncated season. Um, everyone knows that a three-game losing streak can be the difference from being a top four seed in the West and being a play-in tournament contender, you know? So question is, is how long do they try to let AD figure things out? And if, if things get bad, what are the repercussions of that? Because at the end of the day, the Lakers really got, I get it, you know, the playoffs is the real the real deal. They got to be able to show that. And again, when you got teams like the Clippers who are for real, I mean, you, you definitely see what they, what they endured last year with all the slander of the bad play that they had. I'm sure they're not going to let that slide once again, right? So um, AD's got to pick up the slack and get back into his top five self like he was prior to that. So, Oh, I, I agree. He needs to demand the ball more. Uh, he's, yeah. He is a superstar. I, I agree with your brother. He, he needs to demand the ball more. He needs to have plays written for, drawn up for him uh, to dominate. He, like I said, he's, he's so unique and he's so tall uh, and he can shoot the three. He can dribble. Uh, you could put him in the post. And yeah, I mean, he's not going to, you know, hang and bang down there, but I mean, he has post moves. He's, he has yeah, he can turn moves. around Jimmy, you know, turn around jumper. He has a hook shot, like give him the ball, let him do what he needs to do. Draw plays up for him, you know, yeah. uh, use him at the right time. Not all the time. It's not about having him have the ball every possession, but having him have the ball during the right possessions. You still have LeBron James out there. He's, he's a magician in, in the NBA. He can, he can make he'll things find happen. You. Yeah. He'll find you. Yeah. He'll find you draw up the plays for AD uh, that accentuate his strengths that show that this guy is a top five, top 10 player in the NBA and let him cook, you know? Sure. Like, like you know, like you said, you might not give him the benefit of the doubt on the whole fatigue thing. And, and maybe that's true, but uh, when you have a superstar talent like that, you have to use him correctly. It's not just about having him on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like you got to put him in position to to dominate. So I think maybe we see that. Maybe Frank Vogel has some coaching changes that he needs to think about. Uh, and we're going to see, like I said, when it comes to uh, to April, what this team is going to look like. Yeah, and I wonder if the issue is Marc Gasol. You know, obviously we know that he he's been struggling uh, quite recently, obviously due to father time. I mean, he's he's been a miraculous player up until the last few years. And, you know, you can already see the decline in his offensive prowl, although, you know, he's very smart with his high-level IQ on the offensive side of the ball and being able to find guys in their spots. And I don't know if that may have interfered with, 80s ability to work within all parts of the floor because at that point it's like where do you put Marcus All right you could probably put him at the three point line but you know guys are know that Marcus All doesn't have that shooting ability anymore or it's lacking at the very least so they're sagging off him and. 
perhaps that's probably what's going on with AD. He's probably facing a lot more double teams and, you know, people are willing to take that gamble. So maybe, like you said, that Frank Vogel probably has to go back to the drawing board and perhaps see maybe if they would, you know, start a guy like Harrell, right? A guy that's an energy bunny that can make sure that the the opposition, you know, defender that's supposed to be guarding the five position can't sag off and it lets AD be exposed one-on-one with, with his opposition. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities. And again, it's very early, like you mentioned. So it's going to be up to the coaching staff to really put AD in a position to succeed. Yeah, I'm not worried, though. I mean, this team is, is just getting started. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So um, that wraps up that, uh, that topic. The next topic that we'd like to discuss, thank God. All-star voting begins. What is your East and Western All-Star prediction? So Okay. Yeah. But again, the first thing I want to say is I'm very excited that the possibility of having an All-Star game is upon us. You know, so far the East and West predictions to me were kind of tough. So before I share what I need to share, I'm gonna let you take this question and I'm gonna come back with my with my answer. So you go ahead and, and talk about your starters for the East and West. Okay, so we'll, maybe we'll go conference by conference. So I'll go and then you go uh, so that we can kind of talk about it. So we'll, we'll start in the East. Our teams sure. are both in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so my, my guards, my backcourt, uh, the aforementioned Bradley Beal is one of my guards. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, come on, he's cooking. He's, he's, he's having an amazing year for a rudderless team that's going nowhere. But this is the all-star game, baby. As long as you're putting up numbers, it doesn't matter how bad your team is. You're still going to get voted in. So, so Bradley Beal is 100% going to start in that game. I mean, there's there's really no question about that. Um, his his backcourt uh, partner will probably be Trey Young for me. Uh, you know, again, having just a, a fantastic season down there in Atlanta. He's averaging 27 points, 8.6 assists a game, 4.2 rebounds. So, you know, Trey Young is taking that next step. This is the year everyone thought, all right, we know we might see them in the uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs and might see how well they do. Uh, I I agree. I think, you know, Trey Young is is definitely flashy enough. They, they you know, last year, I, I believe he was I don't know if he was a starter last year, but I know he was in the All-Star game last year. Yeah, this, he was uh, he was a starter. Yeah, this year he's definitely going to be a starter again. Uh, you know, he's he's going to take the reins there. Uh, so my front court and this is where it gets a little fun. Uh, the obvious one right now is uh, MVP candidate and is Joel Embiid, uh, averaging 28.3 points yep. a game, 11.1 rebound, very efficient. Uh, he has the uh, 76ers at the top of the Eastern Conference right now. He's putting up the numbers. He's proving that he is the one to keep there between him and Ben Simmons. Uh, he's finally dominating. I've watched him play a couple games, and when he has the ball five feet from the basket, it's going to go in. He's he's a bully down there. He's he's not he's so crafty. Away. He's crafty. He's not shying away from contact. He's really, you know, doing everything to get the ball in the basket and he's dominating. So, uh he's going to be my front court player. Uh next to him is going to be as much as I hate to say, Kevin Durant, 30.9 points a game, 7.4 rebounds. I mean, he's he's a killer right now. He's having an amazing comeback season. A lot of people wrote him off after his Achilles tour. Uh, it missed all of last year. He's proving that, you know, he he recovered very well from that injury. He has the Brooklyn Nets at thirteen and nine, and I'm going to say he has the Brooklyn Nets at thirteen and nine because Kyrie and, and Harden have kind of been in and out. He's been the constant right now, uh, and I, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit surprised at how well he's playing. Uh, but you know what, KD just reminding everyone he's still one of the best in the world. Uh, so I'm going to put him in the front court, and the last front court player, you know where I'm going with this, big juice Julius Randle, oh. 22.4 points oh. a game, 11.1 <laughs> rebounds a game. Julius Randle's having an MVP type season right now. You got to be crazy. He's having a definite oh, All Star season. Whether he's a starter or whether he's coming off the bench, Julius Randle will be an All Star this year. I think he deserves to be an all-star in the front court, starting over Jason Tatum, over Giannis, over Gordon Hayward. He's putting up the numbers. He has his team playing well. He's the focal point. He's improved on his, a lot of his three-point shooting. He's improved on, he has a nice little step back key jumper. Okay. 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 We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. it. All right. (laughs) Julius Randle 
four all star in the front court. What about Yo, you? Oh my god. I'm I'm currently malfunctioning as we speak. Because the problem is I can't even express my true feelings with well, regards to What do you gotta say? What do you gotta say? Hmm. 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 Hey, I'm just here so I don't get fined. So y'all can sit here and ask me all the questions y'all want to. I'm gonna answer with the same answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. Okay. Let me get myself back into reality because I'm sure some people are still stuck in their fantasy ways. But um, with that being said, I do agree with your backcourt, right? I have Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, he's having a very superb year statistically averaging 27 and nine, as you mentioned, and they're sitting six in the crazy Eastern conference. So one of the top point guards in the East, this was a given to me. Same thing with Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards, like we discussed before. Um, He was an all-star snub last year. Everyone forgot about that. There was a lot of controversy with regards to that, right? There's no way in hell he's going to be screwed two years in a row. And I know people are going to try to justify the fact that he's played on a bad team and shouldn't be a starter. But all-star is about individual performances and Beal is that guy, frankly, right? So that's my backcourt. My frontcourt, I did agree with Joel Embiid. Obviously, he's been hooping, hooping this season. He's my early favorite for NBA Most Valuable Player, averaging 27 and 11 with the highest PER of 31.2 for those analytic blog boys. The next guy, Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets, obviously, it's it's statistically, he's having a career-high season in three points, field goal percentage, points per game, and other categories. It's quite impressive, like you mentioned, as he's coming off an infamous Achilles injury. He's been balling for the Nets despite the team's defensive struggles and miscues on and off the court. So um, well-deserved there. My fifth guy, being as realistically sound as I am, almost always, is Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Pretty self-explanatory. One of the best players in the NBA. And there's not really much to add to that. I mean... Frankly, he was a two-time VP, still showing uh, what he's able to do on the floor. Mind you, I'm still kind of disappointed in his shot-making ability, but he's still putting up monster numbers, and he's still, to me, an all-star starter. So that's my top five. Now, some of you are going to question as to why we don't have any Celtics there, right? (laughs) So for me, for once, actually, I firmly believe that Tatum and Brown should and will be all-stars. The one issue I have is that they're both forwards, right? So I don't think there are better forwards than any of the ones that I've previously mentioned that they would take their spot in the all-star starter role. So I know they're going to be all-stars. I know Celtics fans are going to try to kill me on this one, but Brown I don't... Brown is actually listed as a guard uh, for all-star voting. Really? That's shocking yes. to me because because in his starting lineup, you know, it's always Jason Tatum, Brown, and Daniel Tice or or, or Tristan Thompson as their forward yeah. centers. So that's interesting. So if that's the case, then for me, it would probably be a toss-up, uh, or at least my dark horse would be Jalen Brown in the in, in the guard role. Yeah, they'll both make it for sure. Yeah. Uh, but he has stiff competition if he's, if he's going to classify himself as a guard because uh, Tatum and because uh, uh, Young and Beal are just playing outrageous right now yeah so i mean it is what it is i like you know being an all-star starter versus being an, an all-star reserve to me it's not really a big deal you know if you're an all-star you're an all-star at the end of the day and i'm pretty sure jalen brown will take that gladly considering he might have some contract clauses and some bonuses with regards to being an all-star so of course, Jason yeah. Tatum, probably not so much he's probably you know just trying to get to the game he doesn't really care at all but and um, they'll both be there mm-hmm Julius Randle, that's a different story. I'm not going to get into negativity or whatnot, but I do see an opportunity where he could be an all-star reserve, but that's going to be based off of the coaches if they do if they truly rate him like the way you rate him. So we'll see what happens. Listen, if this Knicks bias aside, <laughs> if if these coaches, you know, can get their head out of there, you know what's Julius Randle deserves to be an all-star. RJ Barrett deserves to be an all-star right now, but he's not going to be a starter for sure. But I think those two have um they re- come on come on you gotta you gotta strip it away over a little bit these two guys are playing really well they have the knicks at not the worst team in the league everyone wrote them off and here they are at nine and twelve not the greatest record but they're f- fighting for a playoff spot they're figuring it out they're the best defensive team in the league there's no reason why these two guys should not be in all-star consideration and whenever we do a segment on all-star reserves once these starters are announced we'll talk about it more in depth but these guys they deserve to be there 
uh, playing in the All-Star game this year. And there's nothing that you can convince me otherwise. No, I, I'll, I'll give you Julius Randle being an All-Star reserve. I like I'm not I'm not going to refute that, but R.J. Barrett, like you're reaching at this point, like he's he's having a cute season. It's nice. Let's let's see what they can do from a longevity standpoint. But as of this year, I still think he's years away from becoming that all-star caliber player. Uh, that is R.J. Barrett. So that will wrap up the East. Let's talk about the West now. So the guys that I got for the West, starting at guard, I got Luka Doncic. You know, despite the team struggles, Luka has been a light as always for the mass franchise averaging nearly a triple double and he's averaging like 27 9.8 rebounds and 9.8 assists like it's absolutely ridiculous this despite you know uh, how underperforming the Mavs have been this year so I've I've have him as my first guard the second of the backcourt I have is Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors I mean Oh, it's wow. yeah. So I mean, it's been a while since we witnessed Dub Nation play, and it looks like Steph has picked up where he left off, averaging twenty-seven and six with forty percent shooting from three. And mind you, he also propelled the Warriors to a playoff spot as we speak right now. So he's playing absolutely phenomenal, and I feel like um, he should be awarded that second spot. As for the front court, I have LeBron James, self-explanatory, right? Year eighteen, still hooping at extremely high level, so he's going to get his. I got Kawhi Leonard. So Kawhi, obviously his stats have dipped as of late, but it's not because of his production. It's because of the emergence of Paul George, who's been scoring at a high clip. So Kawhi has gotten more efficient this year now that he has less of a load and now has more games under his belt now that load management is a thing of the past for him. So him and Paul George have a lot to prove as they have to show the league that they're ready to go. And they're currently number one in the West. So I got to put him in there as well. And then lastly, I got Nikola Jokic. Jokic has been absolutely outstanding this season for Denver with his leadership and his production on the court. Despite the team's slow start, he was able to weather the storm and allow the Nuggets to stay competitive. I think they're now, what, third third in the West, if I'm not mistaken, and he's averaging 27, 12, and 9, right? So they're just about to get their feet wet, and you know things are starting to get hot in the Western Conference. So those are my five. Uh, what are your five for the West? Mm, yeah, I do have a, I do agree on a lot of them. Uh, I, I agree with um, Luka Doncic. Uh, he's averaging a near triple-double. Uh, despite the fact that his team is playing poorly, it is not an indictment on him. He's, he's doing everything that he can. And we're starting to see that, you know, MVP caliber player that you and I had predicted earlier in the season. Um, I got to disagree with you on Steph Curry. I do think he's an, he's an all-star this year, 100%. He has that team in the, in the playoff mix. But for goodness sake, the disrespect on my man, Damian Lillard, is just astronomical. This guy took so long to get into a, you know, an all-star game. And, you know, he hasn't been named a starter yet. I mean, he, he's, been, he's been selected five times yet to be a starter. He's averaging 29.6 points a game, 7.2 assists, 4.8 rebounds. And he has that Portland Trailblazers playing team playing really well i mean you know they've they had the loss of uh, cj mccollum for a little bit to injury we don't know when his you know return is but damian lillard is did you see him against the bulls please tell me you saw him against the bulls dropped 44 points and they were down by what five with 10 seconds to go and they won Blazers get the tip five seconds left covington trying to get it to dame he puts it on the floor step back three from dame Damian Lillard, game winner in Chicago, back-to-back threes to break the heart of the Bulls. Damian Lillard is an all-star starter for me. It is no question. He's he's playing out of his mind this year. Um, and for my front court, I, I do agree on on Kawhi. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely playing well, and I definitely did agree on Jokic too. Jokic is an MVP caliber player right now. He's making his case. LeBron, I think he will end up being an all-star starter um, because he's LeBron, because it's his year 18 and he's still putting up amazing numbers and averaging almost a near triple-double. But I think Paul George probably deserves the all-star not over him. Uh, that Clippers team is top of the West right now. And, you know, you did say yeah. that Kawhi's numbers did dip a little bit because of the emergence of Paul George. And I think the emergence of Paul George is the reason why he becomes a uh, an all-star starter. I mean, he's he's playing really well. He's averaging 23.6, 5 and 6. You know, he has that team at 16 and 5. Yeah, you have two guys there who are monsters and who are all-stars for sure. And maybe one of them misses out on the starter nod because of LeBron or, you know, because of AD or someone like that. But I think both Clippers deserve to start in this game.
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could I could see your logic there. I mean, you know, Paul George is absolutely balling, and there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be an all-star. But I do know that all-star voting, for the most part, is a popularity contest. So that's why I can see LeBron James getting in there. Obviously, he's still playing at a fantastic level right now. And, you know, year 18, you know, it's still quite impressive to say the least and obviously considering where the Lakers are in the West as well I think he's still gonna get that nod over Paul George but kudos to Paul George I mean you know you know he's able to keep his head high after that uh, debacle in the bubble and you know being able to hoop the way he's been hooping I'm hoping that it translates in the playoffs and at least for me he's going to be an all-star if he's a starter you know I'm not I'm not mad at the option same thing with Dame Dame was literally like a, a tough decision for me the reason why I liked Steph is because, you know, he's playing on a team that is not as good as the Portland Trailblazers. And yet he was able to find a way to somehow sneak into the playoffs. And that's something that I vocally spoken about, you know, Steph Curry's greatness, being able to propel them to a level that they've overachieved, you know. So with that being said, I'm not mad at either option, to be honest. So it should be a very good all-star weekend. I really hope that they find a way to get the health and safety protocols ready to go to ensure that, you know, the all-star weekend is a success and I have something to watch during Valentine's day weekend. It's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be March actually, right? It's not going to be on in February. It's going to be March. Yeah. It's not, it's going to be weird having a, a, a March, you know, a February without an all-star game. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be in March and I'm hoping that they get the dunk contest and three point contest and all that stuff uh, settled as well, because those are my favorite parts of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for those guys who try to use All-Star Weekend as an excuse to ditch their significant others on Valentine's Day weekend, good luck. <laughs> no more. No more. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so with that said, uh, we'll wrap up, run that, and our next segment is AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? So my AO Moment of the Week, again, goes to the guy that's featured on our, on our podcast episode, Bradley Beal. And his funny body language. I understand the pain that he's enduring for over the last few seasons, putting up these crazy monster numbers and yet losing game in and game out. I saw a stat that made me feel for the guy. He is the first player in NBA history to lose 10 consecutive games while dropping 40 points in a game. Like, imagine you're dropping 40 for 10 games and you haven't won once. Not even a nail-biting win. Like, to me, that boggles my mind. And I feel like it's time that we retire the Will Smith pain meme and use Bradley Beal's face as a new face of pain. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> right? no. So, like, I, it, it's to a point where, like, I start to feel bad for the guy. And the game this weekend between the Pacers and the Wizards earlier in the weekend, as well as the game against the Nets, was so funny to watch for me. As you watch the Wizards bring up the ball up the court, you see Bradley Beal just sitting there looking dejected, like he didn't want to be there. I know what he's going through because I used to be that guy in rec league to display my negative body language, to send a message. And let me tell you, it does not work <laughs> as much as you want to pout in the corner, waiting for the ball to come to you to shoot that three. They ain't passing the ball to you. I'm sorry. So um, they need to figure out a way to free my guy from DC to a situation where he can finally prosper. So that was my AO moment of the week. How about you? I guess you can say that Bradley Beal is in an entanglement uh, with the wizard. Bruh. That's why. Oh boy! <laughs> That's why. I shout out Will Smith. I love you, but uh, oh boy, you know if we're gonna retire that meme, yeah, I think he's uh, he's in a little bit of an entanglement. Uh, my my AO moment of the week actually comes from the the Bay Area. Uh, it comes from Clay Thompson on uh, on <laughs> on commentary, and yes. I, I don't know why, but for some reason the Warriors really ganged up on uh, Rodney Magruder. Uh, of the Detroit Pistons. Many people probably have no idea who that is, and rightfully so. Who? He's not a very big name in the NBA. Uh, Magruder was, was was starting some trouble after the game, you know, trying to, you know, I guess call out the the Warriors bench and then head that way. And, uh, you know, he's starting some trouble. And, and Clay Thompson, you know, he's out in injury. He's just having fun. Uh, he, he drops this line where he says, this dude might be out of the league soon. He's probably mad about that. What's McGruder doing over there? There's a little scuffle happening. What are you talking about, Juan? And then everything seems to be okay oh there. Oh, my God. Clay's figuring out. What, what, what's going on over there, Clay? 
Rodney Magruder. Oh, no, this dude might be out the league soon. He's probably mad about that. Who knows? Wow. Shots fired. And that's just like Clay Thompson. He's like, hey, you know what? Who cares, right? I'm injured. I, I can say whatever I want to say. Just wow. Just dropping that line on him. And, you, and not to mention Draymond Green goes off about two minutes long in the press conference afterwards. Uh, a very profanity-laced rant on this Rodney Magruder guy talking about how, you know, he, he's, he's, he's not going to be in the league soon. He's a scrub. And I like that. Listen, a lot of guys will talk about it's disrespectful. It's all this. And no, no, no. Listen, let guys talk. You know, some Shaq has this thing where he says, I got G14 classification. I, I have the right to talk about some things. Yes, you know, sir. a lot of guys, a lot of guys have that classification. Clay Thompson, you got that classification. Draymond Green, NBA champion, got that classification. Rodney Magruder, listen, the layman NBA fan does not know who Rodney Magruder is. So for you to go in and try to make a name for yourself, listen, I like it when they clown on each other. It's dope. It's very funny. Even Clay Thompson even clowned on Steph that game where he's like, how many more games do you need until you catch Ray Allen? Uh, they didn't have the stat. And then they found out that he's 400 three-pointers away <laughs> catching oh Ray Allen. God. So Clay Thompson's like, yep, you, you need a couple more seasons there too. So it's, it's, it's nice to see Clay having fun while he's injured. Uh, and we hope to see him back in the NBA. But yeah, just clowning on that dude, that's my AO moment of the week. I had a very fun time with that. No doubt, no doubt. That was a great AO moment of the week. Um, all right, so the next segment is Games of the Week. I love this game! <laughs> and I have one game that I have circled on my calendar. And that is on Tuesday, February 3rd, we got the Clippers versus the Nats, right? Simply a grab-your-popcorn type of game. The only thing is we need to hope that all the, all the stars are playing in this game because if we have a showdown where we got, you know, PG and Kawhi versus KD, Kyrie, James Harden. And he also got like guys in the front court of the Clippers, like Serge Ibaka. It's going to be a dandy to watch. So I'm really looking forward once our podcast drops, everyone get your listen on and then start watching that game later that evening. How about you? Oh yeah. Uh, that's an amazing matchup. I, I want to see, I want to see Kawhi and KD go at it. You know, those two guys are very, they're very similar builds, you know, their skill sets are a lot different, but I want, I think, you know, maybe they cancel each other out. I really want to see what that looks like. That's a possible finals matchup. Uh, for me, it's, uh, I'm going in a little bit of a different direction uh, and I'm going with the um, Dallas Mavericks against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, simply foot. I, I like seeing Luka Doncic go one-on-one with Trey Young, two guys who a lot of people don't know were actually traded for one another at that draft. Watching these guys ball out against each other, you know that they're going to be inherently linked to one another. Uh, they play on February 3rd on Wednesday. You know that they always want to show each other up. They're two of the top promising uh, stars in this league, traded for each other. They'll be linked forever, and I know they're going to show out. You might see a 54 performance out of both of them in that game. Uh, so that's always going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, those are two teams that have absolutely no defensive ability. So we might be <laughs> able to see a shootout. Who knows? But again, like we mentioned, Dallas is struggling with their scoring right now. So maybe Luka Doncic drops 60 just to make up for that. Um, I guess we'll see. But yeah, definitely should be a game worth noting. That's for sure. I wouldn't be mad if he dropped 60 as long as they lose. Because guess what? Their draft pick conveys over to New York this year. So I love seeing the struggles. You'll love to see it. Uh, at some point, we're going to have to talk about this Kristaps uh, Porzingis trade from, from two years ago. and uh, Or from, from, yeah, from two years ago. Uh, and discuss who actually won that deal. Because it's starting to look a little iffy now. If you talk, you've got to ask me. So uh, it's fun to watch. Fun to watch them lose. Fun to watch Luka Doncic. I love Luka Doncic. I really wish that a lot better for him but you know it is what it is yeah with the whole kp situation um i th I feel like that would be a good episode once we realize a who the next draft from that draft capital and number two to see where those players start to develop to really kind of get an idea but again we still have to see what kp can do as a dallas maverick now that he's inked for another five years and hopefully if they were able to get themselves in a position where they can go deep in the playoffs or even get into a finals berth. I mean, I feel like that's more than enough for the Dallas Mavericks expectations, at least just to get to the finals, if not win it. 
you know what I mean? Obviously, going for a guy like KP. So, again, yeah, hold your horses time. there a little bit, bud, dear. <laughs> I think you're getting a little bit too ahead of yourself. Yeah, I like my chances that the Mavericks make the finals over the Knicks, but um, okay. it's no slander, by the way. I'm still under the claws. I'm, I'm just stating facts. So, Ooh, that was close. Yeah, you almost yeah. lost there. That was close. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a pass on that one. But all right, Ooh. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so that wraps up games of the week. The next segment is Block Boy Talk. So, all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article yeah watch a basketball game how about you write that so the first question is are you worried about the brooklyn Nets struggles so i'll let you tackle that yes and what do you think obviously considering that you're a knicks fan i'm sure you're gonna go in on them oh yeah i'm gonna go in on them uh am i worried okay let's kind of like frame this in a different way uh am i is there concern general concern for how this team is performing yes uh, they're on pace to be one of the most efficient offensive teams in NBA history. Their offensive efficiency right now is, is hovering about uh, 120 right now, which is incredible uh, for an offensive team, you know, 122 to be precise. Uh, but on the right. flip side, they're also on pace to be the worst defensive team, like with the worst defensive team rating in NBA history at the same time. That's incredible to think of. And Hey, Listen, whether it doesn't matter what sport you talk about, defense wins championships, right? You're not going to just completely outscore your opponents, especially when you get against go against teams that are really well, you know, well-oiled offensive teams and defensive teams. Like, look, let's, we're going to see this Clippers game. The Clippers are are scoring at a very very high clip right now, and so you know oh, that yeah. if if they're if you're comparing the offense and the defense. That Clippers offense is going to win out. And then if you're going to compare the Nets offense to like the Clippers defense, the Clippers still have a really good defensive team. So that might cause some trouble. If you can't defend, if you're not going to stop score, you know, uh, alleviate the scoring pressure, you know, they're going to start taking some wild shots. They're going to start. Uh, all right. You know, the three superstars figuring, okay, well, uh, goodness, we can't defend a lot. So we're going to have to pour in a lot of points. I have no doubt that they're going to pour in the points, but at some point, it's going to, you know, be an issue where like, okay, how are you going to, how are you, are you going to win every game 150 to 148? Like you, you can't do that in this NBA. Uh, I know they signed Iman Shumpert, you know, he's a defensive specialist, a little bit washed at this point. Uh, so yeah, there is cause for concern for sure. So I definitely think that when you're the best offensive team and the worst defensive team, not even in the middle of the spectrum where you can think, okay, maybe, you know, move it here or there. No, they're complete opposite ends, best in offense, worst in defense. That is not sustainable for a championship run. Yeah, you know what's funny? Um, speaking of best and worst, I saw a stat out there where they mentioned since the James Harden trade, the Rockets have been the best defensive team in the NBA and the Brooklyn Nets have been the worst team defensive team in the NBA. So it's just a little tidbit out there for you folks. So it was, uh, it was pretty funny hmm, to see. I wonder why. <laughs> James Harden. <clears throat> Uh, but anyways with regards to my worry uh on the Brooklyn Nets struggles I'm honestly not too worried their defensive struggles are well documented we already knew this prior to that and after the trade I think the Nets are trying to do what they can at least until the buyout period where they can acquire some three and d players and other defensive options that may be available to hop on a championship contending team like Brooklyn um, some options I'm thinking of are guys like Trevor Ariza and George Hill from OKC. There's been rumblings about Andre Drummond if he does not get traded at the trade deadline as a buyout option. And since they don't have any assets, they won't be involved in the trading market. So once they load up on the buyout period, we can truly envision whether they're ready for a championship run or not. So as of right now, I'm not too worried, but I'm going to hold my horses until I see what the front office is able to do after that buyout period. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm not worried because I hope that their defensive uh, efficiency continues to be horrible. And the and the general NBA concern, I think it should be there. You can't you can't win when you're the worst defense worst defensive team in the league and on pace for historically worst defensive team in the league to win a championship like that. Oh, man, that's going to be yeah. a tough tough challenge. No doubt, no doubt. So our last question within Blog Boy Talk is. A little bit off topic, but I'm sure it's definitely uh, something that will be discussed amongst sports fans 
not only North America, but even globally, to say the least. Who do you got for the Super Bowl, Chiefs or the Bucks? Ooh, wow. Uh, a football question. Okay. Mm, I like it. Uh, admittedly, this year, I didn't watch as much football as I normally do. I took a break from fantasy football this year. I've been going hard for, goodness, 12 years or something like that. And you, you're you a fantasy football player, too, and you discussed your fantasy football, you know, a uh, little experience a couple of weeks ago. It's a stressful four months. It's a very stressful four oh, months. Yeah. You, start, you start to focus <laughs> all on fantasy football and all you do and you think about when you have time, free time is, okay, what if I should drop this guy, sign this guy? What is his You become completely consumed. So I took one year off of it. So I didn't really watch a lot of football. But that being said, I still, I did catch the playoff games. I caught, you know, the Chiefs and the Bucks now. Uh, it's crazy that Tom Brady is in another Super Bowl. He cemented himself as the greatest oh, quarterback of I all time. It. It's, yeah. it, I hate it too. And, but you got to give the guy credit. I mean, that just proved that it wasn't the Patriots way. It was the Tom Brady way. Uh, the Patriots did not make the playoffs this year. And Tom Brady's all over there in, in Tampa Bay at, you know, in his late 43 years old, leading this team to, uh, to the playoffs. So it's going to be a fun one. I think I'm going to give it to the youth in KC, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes last year, uh, you know, and, and the chiefs, they did win the, um, the Super Bowl against uh, San Francisco. San Francisco was the best defensive team in the league uh, that year. Uh, you know, take notes, uh, Brooklyn, you know, what happens when you're, you know, so <laughs> Tampa Bay is not nearly as good defensively. Uh, I know they, they've been a little hobbled uh, with their safeties. Their safeties have gotten injured a little bit. It's hard to bet against Tom Brady. If anyone knows, betting against Tom Brady is not a smart idea. Uh, but I think Ooh, that, Falcons you know, fans. <clears throat> oh boy, 20, 28 <laughs> to three. Well, I'll never, goodness gracious. But, uh, you know, I think the, the Chiefs are, are young enough and they've played enough reps with one another. They've kept that team pretty cohesive. Uh, they have a rotation there in the backfield that's going to definitely help them as well. Uh, I see them irking this one out uh, and it's going to be a fun one regardless. Super Bowl is always fun. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an amazing matchup in my opinion. I mean, when you look at the Chiefs potent offense versus Tampa Bay's shockingly stellar defense this playoffs and then you got Tampa Bay's offense with a mediocre Kansas City defense. This is literally a recipe for a shootout, I'm really hoping. The one thing that stood up for me as I was watching the entire playoffs was a play of the Tampa Bay defense. Shutting down two potent offenses in Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and Green Bay. And then also shutting down Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and others with the Saints. So to me, I'm curious to see what they can do against the Chiefs. But if I had to choose one... Hmm, it's going to be tough, but the Chiefs have way too many weapons, in my opinion. When you got guys like Le'Veon Bell, was it Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Sammy Watkins coming back with a two-week healing time for Patrick Mahomes. It really looks scary to me. And like you mentioned, last year they played against the best defensive team in the NFL in the San Francisco 49ers and found a way to get it done. So I agree with you. I got the Chiefs in this one. Also, it gives the Buffalo Bills the right to say that they got beaten by the champs. So there's that. You always want that. You always <laughs> want that. And, and hey, uh, it's important to note, Tampa Bay is the first team ever to play a home game in the Super Bowl. Uh, so they're going to have home field advantage for the first time ever. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Tom Brady, home field advantage. It's going to be rocking. You're gonna. This might be the first Super Bowl where you actually hear like audible boos and cheers, you know, for distinct right. teams. So it's going to be fun to watch. Obviously, it's it's 25% capacity, I believe. But, hey, that's still 22,000 rumbling fans over there in Raymond Jane Stadium. Uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I'm excited to to sit down and watch some football and to watch some commercials too. And, you know. And the halftime it, it, show. We got the weekend. We got yeah, the weekend. Be... Canada Zone. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Canada's it's going to be definitely a own. classic. Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering what he's going to pull out and who he's going to pull out. I mean, Drake? Oh, maybe. I kind of want to see. I kind of want to see a collaboration with him and Bruno Mars. They're always great performers, in my opinion. Oh yeah, and they both kind of sound like Michael Jackson off shoes. But yes. that would be pretty fun. If you close your eyes, you might not tell the difference between the two of them. But <laughs> uh, you know, it's gonna be fun. The 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 halftime show was always amazing. It doesn't matter who it is. So it's gonna. I'm excited for it. I'm definitely excited for it. For sure. For sure. 
All right. So that's going to wrap up an exciting week of basketball and hopefully ending off with some great football and some great entertainment. So thanks again for tuning into our episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, GamePointPod on Instagram and GamePointPod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms. Add reviews if you can. Like I said, it's greatly appreciated. With that said, is there anything you want to end it off with, Yezin? Man, give us those five stars, baby. Yes, sir. You already know. Like I said, you guys are going to be voting for all-star starters. We need those ratings for our podcast. So um, Coming for you, Bill Simmons. (laughs) We're coming for you. Yeah. So, again, we really appreciate it. I hope everyone has a great week and a great Super Bowl weekend. And we'll hit you guys up next week. With that being said, we'll end it off. That's game.